Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want you to take your Bibles with me this morning. I've got a few minutes. I'm going to encourage you in the next few minutes. I want to bring to you a message this morning entitled, By My Spirit. Now that doesn't concern my spirit, that concerns His. This whole month we have focused upon reaching the lost, about, upon evangelism, upon missions, upon talking to people and reaching out to people. I hope to God that that has burned down in your soul. I hope that the Lord has called some of you to a greater intentionality of reaching the lost, of reaching people. Whether that is through a faith promise card that you have back seat or of your the, the seat in front of you or out, out in the lobby saying, I'm going to give more to missions this year than I ever have. It's time. Or whether it's when you go to work, you have more of an intentionality in your own mind to say, you know what, there are people that don't know Jesus and that if I don't give them the gospel, that if Jesus is the truly is just the only way, then, then these folks are not going to make heaven. And it's up to me to make sure that that's not the case. I, I pray to God that there would be just this deep compassion that would come within you, that when you look at the faces on the walls around us in this church, that your heart is just broken because the world, there are so many people, men, women, husbands, wives, grandfathers, daughters, children, young people who don't know Jesus. I pray to God that tears would begin to fall from your face over the lost. I come in here almost every day and I stand in front of these posters and I say, oh God, give me a heart for these people. Touch them in some way. So I pray that this month has really done something in you. We've had missionaries who came at the beginning of this month and they told stories. You know, Tim Teague, he told some stories that are just amazing. About a woman who gave her heart to Jesus. She, you know, came at you know, the birth of her baby that was dead in the womb and God gave her a healthy child. Bill telling stories of all the things that God has done as he's built tabernacles, 3,500 of them, I think he said, all over the continent of Africa. You hear these stories of missionaries talking about these great, incredible miracles and the works of God that He does all over the world. You hear those things and you say, God, why doesn't that happen like that to me? Anybody ever ask that? Why are all those missionary stories? I've asked that question. I said, God, what is it? What do we need here? That what, What's the problem? What's going on? Why are we not seeing those things? When Shannon and I were overseas, we were serving, doing itinerant missions, whatever it was. When we found ourselves in the middle of a, of, a, of a foreign land where everything was not normal, everything was difficult, everything was a challenge, Shannon would go, she would spend all day to buy just a few groceries because you had to go to, I remember, she, you had to go to one store to get bread, one store to get meat, one store to get Right, one story. It was just, it was just incredible. When everything is abnormal, what we realize is that when it comes to the work of God, you have to lean into the Holy Spirit. 
And can I just tell you something? Our church is made up of a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds and different, you know, whether you've come from Baptist traditions or Methodist traditions or or Spirit-filled traditions or Assembly of God or whoever, non-denominational, whatever you might have been. Our church is compiled of a lot of those different types of people. You know what I found on the mission field? There's no denominations on the mission field. Everybody's working together because everybody relies on everybody. And here's another thing that I found out. Everybody believes in the power of the Holy Spirit on the mission field. It doesn't matter where you came from because they realize the challenge is so great, they can't get it done. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, this is our text this morning. Zechariah 4, 6, a very familiar scripture you've heard many times. And this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Can we just read that part together? Would you just say that out loud with me? Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. One more time, like you really mean it. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Father, I pray, O God, that we, Lord, would take this gospel and, Lord, we would be infused with your Spirit that it might impact, Lord, this culture and this world that so desperately, desperately needs to hear the good news. Lord, not through our own inventions, Lord, not by our own creativity, Lord, not by the programs or events that we can plan, but by your Spirit, O God, in each of us, Lord, may you accomplish the work that you placed upon the first disciples to go into all the world and preach the good news. Lord, let it be accomplished by your Spirit. Fill us, Lord, with your Spirit once again in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Leslie. Paul echoed those words of of Zechariah in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5. He said these words, Paul did. He said, My message and my preaching were very plain. Wasn't eloquent. Wasn't, Wasn't complicated. It wasn't complex. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, Paul said, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Let me tell you something, friends. Paul, this same one who proclaimed in Romans that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto unto salvation for all those who believe. That apostle, that Paul, said, I didn't come with these elaborate, complex theological ideas. I didn't come with these creative things that I could cause people to be attracted to. I came to you not with persuasive words and, 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 and logical arguments, but I came to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, if it's good enough for the Apostle Paul, I believe it's good enough for us today. Can someone say amen? I believe 
that if we want to reach those people who we see our faces on the walls of this church, if we want to help our missionaries accomplish the work, we have to become missionaries on the field, recognizing that it's not by our programs, it's not by our intellect, it's not by our theological arguments, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work within us that changes the world and the culture. We're not going to change the culture of the United States of America. We're not going to change the culture of Denton, Texas, unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit, because that's His job to save. It's our job to deliver the gospel. The Holy Spirit is necessary in evangelism. In Acts chapter 1, 2, and 3, we're going to see something this morning of how the Holy Spirit is the one who makes missions and evangelism possible. I don't know if you recognize this or not, but you are in a Spirit-filled church. This church believes in the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't apologize for that. I don't hide from that fact. I don't, I don't try to sweep that under a rug and deliver that later to you after that you've been coming for a while. I don't say, well, we're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit till we can get them through a membership class. This church is unapologetically a Spirit-filled church where we believe that it's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that makes the church the church. I'm not ashamed of that fact. As Paul said, I am not ashamed of that fact. And in the book of Acts, where we have the story of the first church, of the New Testament church, you see in Acts chapter 1, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in His final words, gave the church, His disciples, these words. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, He says this, On one occasion, while He was eating with them, speaking of Jesus, He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift My Father promised which you have heard me speak about. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit and His coming all of the time. In verse 8, He goes on and He says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit is what allowed the New Testament church and the disciples to be, having, to have, to be the witnesses that God had called them to be. They had just received the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every man, woman, and child. How is that going to be possible? It's possible because they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the work. The first thing in, cha- in Acts chapter 1, you see the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, you see the coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and they, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire or flames of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Can everybody say the word filled? And all of them were filled. Filled. Filled to overflowing. When you are filled, you begin to overflow. What did they begin to overflow? How did they know they were filled? 
they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The overflow of the Holy Spirit was noticeable to everyone around them and it became even more noticeable as they went out and began to preach to people and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was a day that transformed the church from anemic, powerless uh, abilities to a church that was powerful, that didn't just talk about the gospel, but showed the gospel in word and in deed. The demonstration of the Holy Spirit with the, with the shaking and the, and the blowing of the wind, that was a recognizable supernatural sign. Friends, listen to me. In order to reach your family and friends and this culture for Jesus, it cannot be a natural message. It must be a supernatural message. A message that is empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit that creates dynamics that you cannot create on your own. In Acts chapter 3, we have the work of the Holy Spirit. And today I want to just share with you four qualities about people that the Holy Spirit works through. I spent about 30 minutes yesterday talking to a young man in his, in his 20s. He had, through a group, several people, he had called me because he said he had some questions. He's not a Christian. And he wanted to help get some questions answered. I spoke to him and he began to approach me in the conversation with someone who had the chip on their shoulder. He didn't come to that conversation on the phone with an open heart. He came with, with bullets in his gun to try to shoot holes in the idea of Christian faith. Anybody ever talk to somebody like that? The only thing they want to do is to try to disprove the argument of Jesus or to try to discount your faith. Over the course of 30 minutes, he created all types of different straw men. He would, the, the issue, was, the issue was, was about Jesus and his, and his desire and God's intent for his life. But he created all types of different scenarios. We talked about abortion. He was very much pro-abortion. We talked about homosexuality. He's very much pro-LGBTQ. We talked about transgenderism. We, all of the hot-button topics that this culture talks about. And he tried to pull scriptures out of, the, out of context. He went back to the Old Testament. He, talked in, he, he said, well, what about this verse in Numbers? What about this verse in Deuteronomy? Should men wear women's clothes? Could, what about pedophilia? I mean, that's what... That's what they were doing in the Bible. And we, he, he built all of, these, all of these straw man arguments. Basically, he was like, I can't deflect what your, what your truth is, so I'm just going to argue something else. And I told him, and I said, look, I said, the reality is this. I said, the reason why you want to shoot holes in the gospel is because... You want to live your life without any accountability whatsoever. You want to be your own God. 
you want to call the shots and you want to determine what's right and wrong for you and for everybody else, I said, just think about that if everybody determined their own right and wrong. There's no law. It's just every man for himself. I said, what kind of world would you want would that be? He said, oh, well, I wouldn't want that. I said, of course you wouldn't. But that's exactly what you're advocating. I said, the problem is not all of these arguments that you're building. I said, the problem is, is that you know deep down that there is a higher law, that there is someone higher than you. And I said, that you're, you're just unwilling to bow your knee to him. I came out of that conversation, and as I, as I got the phone call, I had prayed. I said, Lord, let the Holy Spirit give me the words to speak. Now, I didn't lead that young man to the Lord yesterday, but I can promise you that whether I was planting seeds or watering those seeds, someone is going to come along and continue to do that. And I'll just say, it wasn't the words that I was speaking. It was the words that the Holy Spirit was giving me. I was coming up with ideas and analogies that I didn't plan on. I didn't prep for that conversation on the phone call. It was the work of the Holy Spirit coming through me that was allowing me to make some, make some observations and give me insight into this young man's condition in his life. You see, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to make a difference in that family member that you're going to be with in about a month on Thanksgiving dinner that is just anti-Christian, anti-God, that wants to shoot holes in everything that you believe. It's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit that is going to be able to allow them in their own heart to begin to see what God is really trying to speak to them. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to be... Uh, uh, tearing down the strongholds that the enemy has built in their mind and breaking off the, 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 the blindness of their eyes so that they can see the truth once and for all. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that's going to help you to witness to your friends and those who are far from God or those who have known the Lord and have walked away from it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that does that. So let me give you those four things as we read Acts chapter 3. Look, at, look in Acts chapter 3 verse 1. And one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. And now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him as John did. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the hand, the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The first type of person that the Holy Spirit uses to reach the lost and to, and to affect the culture around them is a, per, is a person who is focusing on the things of God. Notice in verse 1 it says that the day, that day that Peter and John were 
going to the temple at the time of prayer. It was a regular custom that every day, the time of prayer, Peter and John would go to the temple. They would pray. They would begin to to focus their hearts upon God. They would set aside time. The Holy Spirit uses someone who already is focusing on the things of God. They were on their way to prayer. They were doing the right things at the right time. Let me just tell you this. It's easier to turn the steering wheel of a car in motion than it is when one's sitting still. Come on. When a car's moving, you can turn that steering wheel left and right. But when a car is sitting still in the driveway, you get in that baby and you start trying to turn. I remember when I was in college, I was working in a little church down in DeSoto, Texas. It was my idea when I first went to, to Bible school that I wanted to be involved in touching people. You see, you can, get a, you can get a degree in ministry and still graduate and know nothing about ministry. Come on. You can go to a bunch of seminars, but that doesn't just, you've got to do something with it. And so I got involved. Little church down in DeSoto. Didn't have much, not a whole lot there. The pastor, it was, it's, it, it's just funny. There's a lot of different things about that church. I got so many stories. But I decided that I wanted to be involved. I wanted to not just get educated on how to reach the lost. I wanted to do it. And I served in that little church. And I, I gave my heart to those kids. When we started, there was only like, four or five young people. It was my first, my first and only stint as being a youth pastor. God delivered me from that wilderness. Takes a special kind of person to work with young people, I'll just tell you. Amen. Thank you, Lord, you're not calling me. No, I'm just kidding. And I spent a lot of time, we only had a, a small group. One young man began to come to church. He was invited by other friends. His name was John. He was as lost as lost could be. Went to one of the local high schools down in DeSoto. He came in. We just loved on him, and I just preached. I was, I was, the, I was the keyboard player, the worship leader, and the pastor all at the same time in that little youth group. Did it all. Had a couple of youth sponsors, were fantastic people. And John began to come, and he began to be interested in what was going on. I'll never forget, we went to youth conventions, several different places. And I remember John coming, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Didn't have a home life that was very good. Gave his heart to the Lord. It was, a, it was an incredible moment, because I could tell when John got up from that altar... And he, gave, he had given his heart to the Lord. A smile broke out on his face that I had never seen before. Something changed in his life. I knew something was different. This John that first showed up at youth service, he was not that same John anymore. He was so on fire. What happened was John got so on fire that what had happened in his life, he started inviting friends all over the place. Before you knew it, the little fellowship hall at the church was probably half the size of this stage. We had it full of kids full of kids. They were coming, and I was still keyboard player, worship leader, and pastor, all doing it all. We were packed out. Our youth group, the attendance in our youth group, got to be more than the church attendance. 
the pastor was like, keep growing the church, son. I'm like, I'll do my job, I'll do my best. I don't take the credit. You know what? I don't even give the credit to John. But it was the work of the Holy Spirit because it didn't just end there. John stayed hungry. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The fire of God just began to burn bright in his life. He began to overflow on everybody. And God did something amazing in his high school. We packed that little church out. Fast forward 20 years. John's a pastor at a church here in North Texas. Serving faithfully, still continuing to allow that moment that God saved him to do what God wanted to do in his life, filled him with the Holy Spirit, and now he's continuing that, that legacy that just started in that little church, in that little youth group. God transformed his life. Why? Because we were just focused on doing what God wanted us to do. We kept meeting. Even when we only saw five people show up, we kept meeting. We kept praying. We kept singing. We kept doing what needed to be done. And God, by His grace, sent a spark to that little church. And God did something amazing. A fire broke out. And young people were coming to know Jesus by the dozens. That's how God does it. Let me tell you, sir. Uh, church saint of god keep doing what you're doing when you don't know what to do keep doing the the thing that you love doing that you knew god had called you to do do the right things because at the right time galatians 6 9 says do not give up in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up you see god pours His Spirit out upon those. Lord, the Lord uses those people who are doing the right things over and over and over. Some people are waiting for God to do something extraordinary. Friend, He will do the things extraordinary in your life if you just stay faithful to doing the right things. You see, the, the person the Holy Spirit uses is the person who continues to focus on the things of God. Don't give up. Don't quit. Be encouraged this morning. You say, Pastor, I don't see the results. Stay faithful. Keep going to the house of God. Keep meeting in prayer. Keep doing the things that are necessary for you to know that they are the right things that God's called you to do. Church, stay faithful. Journey Fellowship, you may see a lot of empty chairs. We're still going to be faithful to this, to this community. I know that a harvest is coming. I'm not going to give up. And I need a, a church full of people who says, look, I'm not giving up. I'm going to stay faithful in doing the things that I know are faithful to do. Because one of these days, the extraordinary is going to happen. God's going to do something amazing in you, in your home, in your family, at your workplace, in this church, if we just stay faithful, focusing on the things. That's the Holy Spirit uses those types of people. The second person that the Holy Spirit uses is a person who's paying attention to the needs of others. Look at Look at verse 2. It says that they were walking to the temple to go pray. They saw the crippled man, and the Bible says they looked straight at him and then responded to him by saying, look at us. The Scripture says this man had been crippled for 40 years. And the disciples, as they're going about their religious duty, see him and they start a conversation with him they ask this beggar they say what do you do he said well that's this is what i do 
I sit at this gate begging for the compassion of other people. Asking people to be compassionate upon me. You know, in our culture, what ha- what's happened is, and it's happened to people in the church, is we have become seasonally compassionate. We've become seasonally compassionate. You know how I can illustrate that? In just a couple weeks, you're going to be walking into Walmart and you're going to hear what? Ding, 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 ding. Now, who is that? It's the Salvation Army. It's the Salvation Army because we're going to be walking into, we're going to be walking into Walmart and all of a sudden, the Christmas spirit is going to come on us. Oh, let me get some change. There you go. Thank you for giving. You're welcome. I just feel so cheery. It's Christmas. We've, we've accustomed ourselves to seasonal, seasonal compassion. We get compassionate when we see missions videos and we see the need. We have a missions month where we focus upon the lost. Oh, God, Lord, stir my heart for missions. But come February, where is that compassion? Where is that compassion? We get busy doing our church thing, doing our routine, and we miss those who are in need. We don't see them. We're not looking for them. A part of it has to do with we are just not intentional enough to allow our spirits to become moved by the Holy, by the Holy Spirit to see them. The great question to ask is if this man had been crippled for 40 years, begging at the temple gate, there in Jerusalem. Why didn't Jesus, who had gone to the temple hundreds of times, why didn't Jesus heal this man? Why didn't Jesus touch this beggar? He's been crippled for 40 years. They asked him what he did. He said, this is what I do. I lay at this gate waiting for the compassion of people. Jesus only a few years ago, was passing this gate constantly, going into the temple. Why didn't Jesus touch this man? For that matter, why did any of the disciples, who certainly had passed him before, why didn't they? Was it that Jesus didn't pay attention to him? Was it that the disciples didn't know? I'm sure that they noticed him. Here's what I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit uses the timing of the Holy Spirit is just as important as the direction of the Holy Spirit. What you don't see in this, in this verse is what happens later is that through the healing of this man... 5,000 people hear the gospel. I think that in God's infinite wisdom, you see, Jesus could have healed everybody that was sick in those days, but the Holy Spirit uses us so that we can have the most effective impact upon our culture. It's one thing to just start blabbing the gospel out there when nobody's paying attention. But there is God is setting people up. Here's what I want you to realize. This is the good part. This is good news for you. The Holy Spirit is at work in front of you right now. And He is setting people up 
for you. He's like that cold call service where they set up those, cold, those appointments so that the, not a cold call, you're not just going down a, down a, uh, a phone book or, or, a na- or a call list. They've already warmed up. They've already had a, a, an, an interest. There, there's already something going in. God is already setting you up. The Holy Spirit is setting people up in your path. There are divine appointments that are being placed in front of you that if you would listen, if you are Holy Spirit-minded, if you are paying attention, that that moment will come and you will respond because the appointment has been set. Don't walk out of here thinking, oh, I can't win nobody to the Lord. Yes, you can. The Holy Spirit's in front of you doing it and getting it ready. Oh, this person can never be reached. Yes, he can because the Holy Spirit is preparing his heart. He's plowing the field. He's breaking up the hard ground. He's doing all the heavy lifting. All you have to do is share the gospel with them. And that day, that crippled beggar was set up. He was set up. He didn't even realize what was about to happen when he went in front of that gate that day. But he thought it was just he would get some silver or some gold, that he would he would just get the sustenance for the day. But God, in his infinite wisdom, said, I'm going to do something that's going to change your life. That's what sharing the gospel, friend, is all about. The Holy Spirit sets it up. He does the work. So do you have a prayer or a person that you continue to pray for? Keep praying for them. Let that, let that cold call become a warm call and then let the Holy Spirit turn it into a life-transforming moment. We have to pay attention to the needs of others and we have to allow God to interrupt our schedules. God interrupted the schedules all through the Scriptures. He interrupted Moses' life as he was tending sheep on the backside of the desert and spoke to him out of a burning bush that wasn't being consumed. God interrupted Elisha's life when Elisha's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in a field. He's just doing a day's work, and all of a sudden Elijah comes up, throws his mantle on him, and says, hey, you're going to follow me. He said, let's go. God interrupted Peter's life. Peter was on the side of the beach of, of, of the lake, mending his nets as any fisherman would do. And Jesus walks up and says, I want you to follow me. And he dropped his net and said, let's go. Paul was on his horse riding down the road of Damascus to Damascus. He'd done it numerous times, thousands of times before. And all of a sudden, God interrupts his schedule, knocks him off the horse, transforms him, sends him blind to the the house of Aeneas so that he can learn and understand what God's calling and what his will was. God interrupted a young woman named Mary that was just going about her business. And the angel Gabriel said, Greetings favored and highly high, blessed and highly favored you have been chosen to bear the son of the living god god interrupts us all the time friends get ready for interruptions in your life you have to be open for interruptions if you're open for the interruptions you don't say oh i don't have time for this or or i don't i can't take this phone call or or i just don't i, I don't know what to say let the interruption be your ministry Ministry is not a destination. It is a journey. Reaching the lost is not something you become one day. It is your life. It's what you do. It's who you are. One writer, he said this. He says, I used to be frustrated when my work was interrupted until I realized that those interruptions were my work. So can I ask the question, how many... God moments are scheduled onto your calendar this week. 
Are you even thinking about them? Holy Spirit uses people also that are willing to share what they have. Peter and John says, what I have, I'm going to give you. You start with what you have. Start with what you have. How can you reach people? You just start with what you have. You haven't known the Lord very long? Don't say, well, when I get some more answers, then I'm going to start reaching people around me. No, you've got the fire of God burning in your life. You can bring them to people who have a little bit more answers. You don't feel comfortable sharing? You need to probably be more disciple. I think that's one of the problems that we have in the church is that not enough people have been truly discipled. You don't know enough of the Word. You don't know. You, 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 you're, you're not understanding of what Jesus has even said, and it's difficult for you to even share. We need to be better disciples. And that doesn't matter if you've been saved for two years or 25 years. Discipleship never stops. I mean, can you think about the Good Samaritan when he picked that man up out of the ditch and he took him to that hotel? You know what, the, you know what he thought? This is going to cost me something. This is going to cost me something. Let me tell you, the people that you see around this wall or on these walls, the people that you sit with at your job, people at your, at, that are going to be at your table over Thanksgiving dinner, you know what? It's going, to, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. It costs Jesus his life for us. It's going to cost you something. The Good Samaritan said, this is going to cost me. But as James says, faith by itself without Action is dead. You can talk about faith all you want, but until your faith grows legs and starts walking around, it's dead. And then finally, the Holy Spirit uses people who are always giving God the credit. In verse 12, the Scripture said, we didn't read it, but the Scripture says, as Peter is talking to all these people surrounding he says why is this why is this healing surprised you why do you look at us as if it is by our own power it wasn't us peter said we didn't do this god did this this was a god thing this was a god moment this ordinary day turned into something extraordinary Sometimes I think the reason why we don't see so much of those God moments, those extraordinary moments in the American church is because we're not willing to give God all the credit. There's too many people who want to grow a great ministry by using God's power to do it. When we say, Lord, give, I'll give you all the credit, that's when the Lord uses us the most. When the Lord sends us into a field to harvest, there may be one, two, three people to win. Someone may send one else, someone else to another, another field, and there may be one, two, three thousand people that will come to the Lord. Answer this, which person is more called? Which person is more filled 
The one who reaches the three or the 3,000? I would submit to you that both. Because the Lord is the one who positions us where he wants us. It's all his field. We're just assigned different plots. In the early 1950s, a man named Jim Elliott, him and several other friends, went to Ecuador to the Awaka Indians. They were a primitive tribe in the woods of the, of the Amazon jungle. No one had ever taken the gospel to them partly because people were scared to do so. Because everyone who went into that village or into their territory was killed. No one lived. But God had called Jim Elliott to go. And he had a friend, several of his buddies, and they, they got on an airplane and he had a pilot buddy. And for several months, they would fly over the area of the, of the jungle and where there was a river right there next to it. And they would circle that area with a big basket hanging out of the bottom of that airplane and they would circle that area and as they, they would get close to the ground, they would drop that off. They would bring things and they would try to make peace, make friends with, the, with those Indians, those, those people, that tribe. Finally, they decided it was time. And so they landed their plane on the edge of that river, came to a stop. And as they got out of the airplane, first time, a few children and some women came out of the jungle. They emerged out of the jungle. They began to give them gifts. They wanted to learn the language. They wanted to teach them about Jesus. A few hours went by, and men came out of the jungle. As they approached Jim Elliott and several of his friends, they listened to what he had to say with an interpreter they had with them. They heard the message. They listened to the message. And the men of that tribe raised their spears and they killed every one of them there that day. On that riverbed in Ecuador, 1956, all of those missionaries died, gave their life. Years later, Elliot's father said, I want to track down these people that did this to my son. He flew down to Ecuador about 10 years later, and he walks into the jungle with several men, and they had guns and weapons for protection. They found out these men who had actually gone onto that riverbed that, that afternoon and spoken to those missionaries, and they said that they wanted to meet with them. These men came out, they talked to them, they started talking to them. He said, I want to know who's the man who drove the spear through my son's chest. This warrior with paint on his face, stepped forward and said, I'm the man. His father reached out to him and he said, 
I want you to know that I love you. That Indian warrior responded back. He said, thank you. Because 10 years ago, a man came from the sky to our village and he said the same words to me. I was one who walked out onto that river and I heard his words also from a God who loved me. And he said, and now I serve his God. I have laid my spear aside and I have helped my village to know the love of that God spoken by that missionary. When we give God the credit, when we say, Lord, I'm doing this for your glory, when we say, Lord, fill me with your spirit, that's when you see things change. Next week is friend day. The most important thing that your friend needs from you is this. They need you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't just need your compassion. They don't just need your love. They don't need your concern. They need you to be filled with the Holy Spirit because then you will know there is an appointment. You will have the boldness. You'll have the words to say. And you'll have the power. Because it's not by might or power, but it's by my spirit. Says the Lord God Almighty. I want you to just bow your heads with me this morning before we leave. If there's anything I can encourage you to do is respond to this message, it would be this. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you be I want you to know the Holy Spirit's power? The power of the of the early church, the power of the of the disciples, the power that was proclaimed through the Apostle Paul. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit because through him we can see this world changed. Father, I pray this morning for our church that we would not be a spirit filled church in name only, but we would be a spirit filled church. Because we've been emboldened by the Spirit of God that gives us power to reach the world around us, to reach our friends, our family, to reach across the oceans to the tribes and peoples who don't know you. Fill us, Lord, with your Spirit today. Help us, Lord God, to be overflowing, Lord. Help us, Lord, to overflow upon people to share the gospel that changes and transforms lives. Help us to be the church that you want us to be. Help us to be a church that's filled and overflowing with your spirit. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask a question before we dismiss.
How many of you say, Pastor, I need to be refilled with the Spirit? Or maybe I've never been filled. I just need a fresh touch of God upon my life. If you're here this morning, would you just lift your hand and just say, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God today. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, all over the room. I need a fresh touch of God. Let me tell you, friends, seek Him. Seek Him. The promise that Jesus promised, Prophet Joel says, He is available to everyone, young, old, new believer, old believer, it doesn't matter. Ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit so that you can be the, the best advantage to have to reach the world around you. Lord, bless us as we go, Lord. I pray that you'd create opportunities, Lord, that you would develop in us, Lord, a heart of compassion, a heart of, a, a heart of, of, of mission, a heart of intentionality to reach this world. Lord, time is short, and I pray that, oh God, that you would help us to be about your master's, the master's business. Lord, in these days, in these trying days, the chaos that has come upon our world, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, upon the lips of our mouth, preach this gospel of hope, this gospel, Lord, of life, this gospel of righteousness, this gospel of holiness, the gospel, Lord, of eternal life. I pray that you'd give us the power and the boldness and the hunger and the desire to, to share it to everyone we know. We honor you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.